Hello. Hey, what's up? How you doing, man? Good. How are you, Rich? Good. It's so great to have you on. Uh, the Mike Tao on uh, season seven, episode six of What the Heck with Joy. Uh, thank you so much for being on, man. Wow, you've been on seven seasons, man. Well, actually, in season four, I started. No, season three, I started doing. Uh, I started doing the interviews. Okay. So, I've gone through like three seasons just being uh, just interviewing people because I've interviewed almost close to over 70 people. Nice. Yeah. So it's just so cool because I get to interview people at different, you know, areas of their uh, time in comedy. So, you know, I have people that are just starting out, people who have been doing it a while, people like you who have been doing it for a long time and are getting success. And then I have people on you know, again, when they have, you know, stuff going on because comedy is always changing and everyone's always getting new opportunities. So mm-hmm. I just really wanted to get you on because you had your uh, your special coming up. Yeah, That's thank so cool. you. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's uh, the the special just dropped into my lap. It was really, it was really weird how it happened. I, I, did a a few a few years ago I used to perform for this cable access TV show in Manhattan and the guy there really liked me he thought he I was funny he had me do a half hour special with him for cable access TV and then he got this network TV uh, thing and he has a pay-per-view channel now and uh, he works with Roku TV and Amazon Fire TV. And he um, he asked me to produce a one-hour comedy show with him. And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And also, I was I was shitting bricks at the same time. Oh, I bet. Because you're like, how it's... am I getting right now? Like, like <laughs> I know that you have material, but it's not right. like an endeavor because... I've been doing that. Like I've been working on writing like my whole entire trying to write now, and it's it's tough because you know it's like you're just trying to pace everything. And well, yeah, totally. It's, it's a whole entire thing of just you, you know what works and what doesn't. And for you, what's so cool is I just remember when I first saw you, I just heard like afterwards, oh, he's been doing comedy for like ever. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what? I didn't hear you. What did you hear? I heard that you were doing comedy for a long time. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Like, I was like, oh, that makes sense, because your stuff is so polished, and you're so comfortable on stage. Were you a performer as a kid? Uh, I did. I did, like, um, community theater as a kid, and, um, like, I, I did a lot of that, and uh, I always, like, um, so since this is an audio recording, yeah. Um, and people don't know me. Yeah. Uh, I have a I have a physical disability. Right. So I was in a car accident when I was a baby, and uh, it it makes me uh, fucked up. So right. <laughs> it um it I it affects the way I walk, and I can't really use my left arm. Right. And so when I was a kid, people would feel sorry for me, and I realized that the best way to get people to stop feeling sorry for me was to make them laugh. So since I was like seven years old, I learned 
how to make people laugh. And um, I was a funny kid and I was always very stubborn. And so that is what I did. And um, like I came up when I, I stepped on stage to do stand up for the first time in 1990, um, 1995 or 96. Okay, and, that's what I thought. Yeah. And then. You know, I, I did it on and off. And then in 2002, um, I I had like something really tragic happen. To me, I was diagnosed with HIV and I went through a really deep depression. Right. And yeah. I, I decided, I was also like drinking a lot and smoking crack at the time. So, you know, I was healthy. Um, <laughs> right. You were just, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a thing like, you have those experiences. That's the cool thing. What I love about you and your comedy is it's so there's there's an honesty to it, and there's a way of like, you know, it, it's heavy stuff. It is it definitely is, and yeah. you make it like I don't know if this is a proper thing to say, like digestible in a way that I think is really really like cool just to be able to do that because you hear certain topics you just don't know how it's gonna go with just people like we're comics we'll laugh at fucked up things but like right. with you i've just noticed like just seeing watching audience reactions and watching how you interact with an audience your stage presence is just phenomenal i just want to say that oh uh, thank you man and um since this is an audio recording i'm not I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I was taking a shit a second ago, so I got oh, a flush. Okay. <laughs> um, so I I appreciate that. Um, so uh, yeah, so, like I I had to learn since my stuff is so heavy. I had to learn how to make it fun and not take it too seriously. And right, and so I how I feel I do it is I I pretend when I'm on stage I I I put out this vibe that I'm 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 letting the audience in on the joke right and I'm taking them along for the ride and like it's us against the world and that's how I like to think of it and right I just want to have fun like yeah and you're not afraid to like engage like i think you know i saw that a lot like uh we were at um oh uh what was the mic uh it was uh josh's mic josh stanley's mic and just seeing like how you can be fearless like that and like engage with the audience like that could be really tough oh mark henley no um josh wells josh tenley Oh, Josh Tinley, yeah. Yeah. I love and Lemongrass. I love yeah, that place. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh it is something that is a lot of fun. And just because if I don't feel like if I don't feel like my material's going well, I will abandon material and just like I didn't I didn't become a comic to get up on stage and bomb. Right. So that's a that's a great uh that's a great um like thing to say. Like I mean, 
no one does, but I mean, it's like that's a good like thing to have that intent to have to be like, I'm gonna make something right. of this because you only have that time, and that's one of the hardest things I think when you're just from my experience of like starting out is you just want so much time. Like for me, I have that now where it's like <laughs> I'm a lot more comfortable now with like being meaner to hecklers now because I'm mm-hmm. like, this is my time. Like I gotta. This is all yeah. you have for this amount of time. Yeah, and, and like and it, with you, it takes longer because you gotta get up on stage. You <laughs> it's like you know, like you gotta give them some time and some, you know. So for you to have the balls to be like, you know what, this is my show. This is my part of the show. I think it's really cool. Yeah, and that's what people say is like, I'm not afraid to go in if someone's being disrespectful, like. Um, so what else, in 2002, that was when I started performing like it was a career. I left my job, I moved back home to my parents, I didn't work for like six months, and all I did was go out, perform, get booked on shows, do some open mics, and then I started to slowly get a career. And in two, by 2005, I was headlining. And it, it's, it just went really fast, and I couldn't handle the success I had. So I pissed away, like, a lot of opportunities. Like, um, the woman, Kirsten Ames ran the HBO Comedy Festival, and she booked talent for the HBO Comedy Festival. Right. And I was in a workshop with her where all comedians did, like, two or three minutes of material and then she critiqued us and like before I went up she people would go up and she's like you know I would do this differently or I would say this differently or put this in here or connect to the crowd more so I went up I did my stuff and and she goes um that when I was done she said that was amazing send me a tape and I was, and the whole, everyone in the audience, in the, all the other comics went, what the fuck just happened? Right. And, and I was so insecure, like I couldn't send her a tape. I thought nothing was good enough when, you know, and so I missed that opportunity. Right. And, and that, that, that totally is, makes sense to me from my perspective. I'm totally feeling it that way. I'm like, oh my God, I don't have anything how can i live up to that because right when you're a performer you you um like i heard i last say this and i'm kind of paraphrasing it's like you know what is good so you always want to do that even when you don't have the ability to yet right so you're like you're like you just have a very high standard of yourself because you have your stuff that you want to do and uh yeah i i think it's have you I also Have probably you felt like now, did like, this resurgence, like with this with this special, like do you feel like it's a little bit like you're coming back? Uh yeah, well I so I left two thousand seven. Uh so this is this is the story that started the end. So I was on Opie and Anthony in two thousand six, and then from that like I did so well on that show, 
like I got a lot of, I got a huge fan base and I went to do a show in, uh, somewhere in Jersey. I think it was at an elephant and castle. And, um, I was, I just finished performing the show just ended and I was online for the bathroom and this guy came up to me and he goes, man, you were incredible i heard you on the radio and i drove two and a half hours to see you i thought i said thank you that means a lot and he walked away and i went to pee and i thought holy shit, that's seven hours that's two and a half hours each way and two hours for the show that's seven i'm like a job to this guy and like that I started getting so nervous after that because I thought if I bomb, I'm going to disappoint somebody. And so I started having panic attacks and like I started hyperventilating before I would go on stage. And, you know, I like almost every show I was like, why am I doing this? I'm just creating stress for myself. What's going on? Like, and so after about, a year of doing this i just i decided you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna stop performing and uh, i walked away mm-hmm. and in 2016 uh in 2015 my mom went to a psychic who told her i was gonna start performing again and i was like i said to my mom no i really don't see that i'm in a good place right now and then in like three months, two months later, I was performing again. Because what was that? What was my that life like just fell to shit. Was it- oh, it was great. Um, you know, I, I felt at home again. And like, I, I, I know how to make people laugh. Like, that's a skill I learned very early on. And I was always able to do it. And when I like when I got good at stand up, it just became really easy to learn how to navigate a crowd and figure things out. And you know, my motto is to have fun. If I'm not having fun up there, why am I gonna do it? Right. And like, um, so as most people know, I have a chauffeur. Um, yes. Shout out to Kyle Colorado. Yes. Um, yes, he's been on before. He's he's one of our best guests. <laughs> <laughs> because I am an awful driver. Um, he uh he hasn't driven me around for a couple of weeks, but like uh one night we were we were driving around and we just each performed at a show, and he went up there and he didn't do well, and I we were talking in the car and I said, man, it looks like you're not having fun up there. Just have fun. Go up there with that attitude. And as soon as I said that to him, like his whole thing changed. He, he started enjoying stage, the stage and started having fun. And he hasn't really done bad sense. I mean, we all have bad sense, but like consistently he's been having fun and not doing bad. Yeah, I think that's great advice because, and I always forget to do that. Like, that's my thing that I always think about because I always get, so it's like you, 
you had with your thing of like the pressures. Like to me, I don't have. It's very weird to talk about like stage fright and stuff because I don't have it anymore in the sense that like I'm afraid to perform because I've performed for so long. I did you know singing and improv and stuff, so I know how to perform. It's the expectation you put on yourself, and then I realize like I'll have a really fun set or I'll have a night or like a set like where you just have fun, and I'm just like oh this has to be, this has to this is what it has to be. So that's why I started doing this Dick Dweck thing was because people just started liking it and it was already a thing that like people were calling me and people were being like, so I'm like, I'm going to make this character sort of be more obnoxious on stage, more like opinionated and just like what I do. I basically, I just, I drink a Red Bull and I just talk and I just go insane. I drink coffee, I drink Red Bull and I go like insane. And, you know, it's just like, it's, it's fun because there's a lot of pressure in doing stand-up because you put it on yourself. You're like, okay, I got to get this set. I got these jokes and they're, you know, the order they have to go in and everything. So I think that's really good advice to have fun. Okay. Are you there? you hear me oh sorry no i think we cut off oh i'm sorry uh no i mean yeah i heard you the okay. whole time okay uh, so um i i feel very lucky because when i did when i was coming up like in 2002 like my contemporaries uh several of them are like really well known right now yeah i and heard I'm, that i heard that i'm so happy for them can i could i ask you who they are sure um michelle butel is one uh baron vaughn is another oh uh, um eric andre uh gina brione um i'm sure there are a few more i just can't think of right, right now wow that's so but... cool to like I know everyone in like my generation loves Eric Andre. Yeah. Eric. That, that oh, he's such an amazing guy. He's so I mean, nice. He's, so sweet. He's so cool. I just love his, his stuff and uh, just the way that, you know, everyone really fawns over him in my generation. I sort of get like, it's just great how he, he sort of is. And it's cool. Like it's cool when you have those contemporaries and those mm -hmm. people around you like that's one of the coolest things to me is you know to be that's one of the things that i love just about doing comedy like even if i never quote unquote make it is that i get to be surrounded by these you know amazing people right and that's why i did this podcast was because i wanted to give people a shout out because i think we spend we spend a lot of time as comedians focusing on hyping up ourselves mm -hmm. and i sort of had to look around and be like this is kind of amazing how many <laughs> like amazing people I'm surrounded by. I mean, and, and it's... To, to have you on, who, I don't mean to cut you off, to have you on, it's just so cool to me. Like, thank you so much for being on, because... I love it, man. Thank a, you. It's such a great thing, because, you know, I, I always like having people different, you know, I had a, this comic, uh, Gianmarco Sorenzi on, and then mm -hmm. a couple weeks later, like, I knew it was going to happen, like, just inside of me, I, like, I knew it was going to happen, he got a Comedy Central half hour. That's like, awesome. I was like, and, you know, I just knew like I needed to get on it before it happened. 
and it was just like, you know, I've had other people on, like, uh, do you know Ken Krantz? Uh, who? Ken Krantz? No. No, he's a New Jersey guy. I thought you'd know him. But uh, anyway, uh, there's just a lot of people that have on that I, I just love seeing the transformation of stuff. Do you, so with you traveling everywhere, like, I know, like, it's the same for, thing for me because I don't drive. And the, my thing is way less, uh, um, way less of a thing. I just, I failed the written test like five times and mm-hmm. I just quit like trying. I was like, I was just end up getting rides. And it was very hard for me in the beginning of doing comedy because I didn't want to ask people for rides. Right. I was like, I didn't want to be that person. Like, I didn't want to be like, oh, you have to like, I did, uh, and my mom would tell me like, you have to ask people. And it's like, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to bother people with that. Yeah. Be like the tag along kid and be like, you know, this is what. So it's cool that you got that thing with that thing with Kyle because, like, I have that with other comics, and it's cool. Yeah, like Kyle says, it's uh, it's mutually beneficial for us both. Like right. he he gets to pick my brain, and I get to not crash into things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's so cool to be able to hang out with comics. Like, uh, do you feel like his, not in a like, copying way, but do you feel like he's learning from you? I mean, I think we learn from each other. He's like, the thing is, it doesn't matter how funny or, or, or exper- it doesn't, ma- no, it doesn't matter how funny. It doesn't matter how experienced a funny person is if they're funny they they will help you figure things out and like we have become really good writing buddies like I started holding uh writing sessions in my place with people because I just like the creative juices flowing oh yeah I love doing that um you know it's it's awesome yeah uh what whenever I get to hang out with like that's what I've noticed whenever I get to hang out with different people it's always always different comedians it always sort of rubs off on you in a good way like uh I used to hang out with John Beecroft and he's a uh like one liner type of Mitch Hedberg type of Mm -hmm. dope person so like I learned a little bit how to write that style just like and then when I went to um Texas in May with Eric Harbaugh, he's a very like dark, dirty comedian. So I had to learn how to, you know, get more edgy in the stuff that I was doing. Because mm-hmm. I, I got on a show where I had to be, where I had to, where it was that style. And it was like, right. okay, I have to get into that. And now with BJ, BJ's such a, like, BJ's an amazing writer. Yeah. He writes he's... like, six hours a day it's crazy <laughs> i i did a i did a show with him the other night where i i was preparing for my yeah, special and um he went up and he just killed like the crowd yeah. di- the crowd didn't like uh political material so like if you were doing anything that was political in nature they just did not like it but like all his jokes, uh, like all his crowd work, it killed. It really did. He's, I, I'm amazed at how funny he is. Yeah, he's he's brilliant, and he's such a hard worker with his writing. Yeah. Like 
I get so envious because I I don't know how like I'll ask you how you write jokes, but for me, I have had insomnia for the past ten years, so I mm-hmm. I write jokes that three four in the morning and they just come to me and then i'll be mm-hmm. like okay now i have to explain this to normal functioning people well if it's uh you had to be their joke they're not good for stage right. but well it's never that it's like it's more like the premise is just odd like yeah like i have the i have this whole new like like you add this whole new series of jokes on cereal and it's like i have to explain it because, you know, people just don't, you know, your mind works differently as a comedian, I guess. So you're like, you know, now I got to find some way to explain this to normal people who don't like, I mean, jokes all the time. I've never, I've never told this on stage and I probably never will because it's corny as hell, but it makes me laugh. And whenever I say it in conversation, people, people laugh, but it's such a, like stupid punny joke oh sure say um so you know uh um i'm a i'm a serial killer like i fucking hate captain crunch and tony the tiger i get him every like it's so stupid like really (laughs) who would like that but you know no that's so funny like yeah i'm yeah so that's part of what i'm and when so does uh, does your wife like help you a little bit with your comedy? Like, does she listen to like jokes and stuff that you? Uh, yeah, like, and sometimes like we have the best conversations when we're t- when like she. I wouldn't have married her if she couldn't make me laugh. Like that's right. always been a prerequisite for anyone I dated. Um, if they. If they couldn't make me laugh, I wasn't interested. <laughs> right. And so um, we had the best conversations, like, in the morning. And we both have very wicked senses of humor. And, like, this morning, I was in the middle of the night. We were we were both up. I was sick last week. I got her sick. Now she's sick. Right, and so she's like, "I fucking hate you for getting me sick," and she, uh, she, we started talking, and um, oh fuck, I can't remember what it was, and I wrote it, I read it, I wrote it down, but I can't go get it now because if I leave the app, it, you won't be right. able to I, hear I, me. I um, but she goes, yeah, and this joke would go really well in between this joke. I'm like, that's actually a fucking good idea. <laughs> and so I don't know if you know, but I, um, I started running an open mic in my house on Fridays yeah, because, yeah. because I need to be here for childcare. So I was like, I, I, I need to practice my material and I can't go out to do shows till really late at night. And like, because, so I started, um, I started having this open mic and like one day someone was here and they were telling jokes and she just started saying stuff with them and made the jokes even funnier. I'm like, oh, that's, oh, great. that's awesome. 
that's so cool to be able to do that and to be able to be comfortable with you know having people in your home like that like i think that's you know that's really cool yeah because you know you you know people so you know who's gonna be there but still it's kind of you never know how people are gonna behave i mean for me that's like well like i've i've had people come who i've never met before and that's fine i don't care like i'm i'm okay with that but you know for some people it's like my wife my wife goes are you having people over again and i'm like yeah so (laughs) i mean if she said no i wouldn't have done it but right she understood I needed to practice for the special and I needed to get in as much material as I could and I couldn't book shows if I had to be home so you know right so uh how old how many kids do you have uh just one she's eight oh is she funny she is very funny and um she she doesn't i she's also got a bit of an attitude so right. it's funny to hear that like oh that's always fun she'll to say have things that precociousness of life. yeah <laughs> yeah my nephew my oldest nephew i have two the oldest nephew is nine and he's hilarious and i get so mm-hmm. envious of how funny he is i'm just like i wish i was that funny <laughs> you know i'm not i'm not the funniest person in my family like that's the thing i just I think that's I, common I, with people that I've interviewed. It's like everyone has like an aunt or a grandmother or yeah, someone who, because that's what drives you to be. Uh, I I didn't really get to ask you this, and we're we've been having such a great conversation. Uh, who were your sort of like your influences when you started doing comedy, or like before? Uh, I um. Richard Pryor, for sure, just Love because Pryor. he's so dark. Uh, oh, yeah. Ro- Robin Williams for just his energy and his abandon. And, like, I always, I feel like I'm a cross between Robin Williams and, and like. And Pryor? Ri- Pry- Richard Pryor. Yeah. I can not, totally see that. I can totally actually see that. Like. I love, I, I love both I, of them. I love Richard Pryor. love how just he could just talk and just really get into what he was doing he was great yeah and like and i love like um i was telling you before about comics i came up with and yeah uh, this woman was uh she was we i started doing open mics with her like i'm um, but she was a little more advanced than me, but she's always helped me in my career. Uh, Jessica Kirsten, she's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. yeah, like she is, she's getting her dues now. Like, she's getting her dues now. I've heard such good things about her. She's so sweet, such a beautiful, warm hearted person, um, and will help anyone who needs it. Um, you know, and I think she is like she is one of my. I I adore her so much that I get nervous in front of her and have a hard time having normal conversations with oh, her. Oh, I bet. I'm yeah, such a fan. With some people, I I totally yeah. get that. You know, yeah. Like to me, that's one of the, one of the coolest things is, and it's kind of it's really cool now to know and like 
also know through the grapevine, like, what comedians are nice and which ones aren't and which ones... It's, like, always so cool to go, like, figure it out. And, like, from my experience and a lot of from what I've seen, like, having people on this podcast is whenever I have, like, a more established person on, they never just... They don't really view, like, in a hierarchy that you would think. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't view us as, like, they don't view you as an open mic, or they just view you as a comic like them. And I thought that was really, really cool to have I, that experience. It's like, you know, of course there's a hierarchy, like, in the entertainment, like, side of it, of course. But I've noticed with most comics that I've talked to, like, and yourself is good in this conversation, it's like, they just view you as a comic, which is super cool. She she came up to me once um, at at when I was performing at Times Square, at Laugh Factory in Times Square, she was on the show with me and she goes, Mike, I just have to tell you, my wife loves you. She thinks you're so fun. I'm like, oh my God, Jess, thank you. That means so much. And like you were saying about people who are nice in comedy, my, um, <laughs> I, I used to, I, I had this ex-boyfriend who I lived with and when mm-hmm. people would, it was like a few years after I quit comedy. So I would see people on TV that I didn't like. And right. I just, I'd that I knew personally. And I just didn't like them personally. Their jokes may have been funny, but they were right. sucky human beings, in my yeah. opinion. And yeah. so I would yell at the TV. I'm like, how the fuck did you get on the show? You fucking suck. And right. he was like, whoa, what's going on here? And I saw Eric Andre on TV. I'm like, oh, shit, it's Eric. And he goes, oh, are you going to scream? I'm like, no, this dude is awesome. He's such a sweet guy. Right. I love him. He deserves all the best. Yeah. So it's that it's that weird dichotomy. Like, I want oh, yeah. people to do well who are nice. And I want nice. people want to people. fucking and, yeah. suck. And to me, what's what's hard, and I think especially in New Jersey comedy, as I've noticed, is there's a lot of people who, like, there are some people who I don't get along with, mm-hmm. but I like their comedy, so it's a very hard thing. And it's like, right. it's like that's a hard thing, too. Because it's like, you know, that's the one thing that's, and it's very tough with anything, like, you know, that likability and everything. Like, um, you know, it's, it's it's very it, it can be very frustrating like just sort of the complicated how complicated that can be like you'll be like why does that person always make me laugh i don't get along with them <laughs> funny is funny you yeah know. And, like that's that's the funny thing like i'm i'm uh i watched uh louis ck's special a couple days ago and... I think I think his next special should be called "Touching Myself." Oh yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think that would be great. Yeah, it was so great, but it was good. And I was just like, it's so tough because you can't talk about it, and it's like I don't like, I don't like him personally, but like he's still an influence of yeah what I did, what I started to do stand up. So it's like it's tough to explain because I want to be like, no, no, I don't like him. But I like his comedy. <laughs> I mean, it's you tough. know, I don't. 
what what he did is not something you should do, but right. it could have been much worse. Like, yeah, I think he him, didn't touch anyone. He didn't. He right. made the person feel uncomfortable. Yes, and right. like I think that's horrible. But I think to me, more of it is the thing that bothers me more is what his sort of what the industry did. Not really, like his manager and stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's the stuff that that like annoys me. Like. Frank like it, he he and I can understand from his thing of like you view yourself as a regular person so you don't see the hierarchy when it when it happens yeah you're like oh but you also do person. know you also do know your power like well you do I, know your power that's the thing too but it's yeah. like you yeah. want you don't want that you want to be a normal person you're just like oh shit right but so, but Louis CK knows I'm Louis CK and I right. could I could do this and you know, it's. I mean, who hasn't jerked off in front of somebody? Come on! Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a hard it's a hard thing. So you know, I always feel so odd about that. I'm never gonna talk about it because like, uh, and I I always struggle with it. Like, and that's that's a one thing that you know you realize with comics though is like, we're all like it's kind of cliche. We're all like. A lot of comics are degenerate people. <laughs> like, I, I always say, like the one thing that I'm always envious about with like rock stars and musicians and actors is it feels like they're good at talking and being around people, and we're not. I always say, like comedians are like infants in suits. Like we're trying to be adults, but like we're still babies. You know, I don't. I don't necessarily think that's all true. I think right. I I think I think stand-ups are like in general, I'm making a generalization, but we're we're very self-centered people. Oh yeah, for sure. And I don't I don't always I think we can be very empathic and have hearts of gold. Oh yeah, and, for sure. But there's something selfish that drives us to get up on stage and talk. Oh yeah, and sure. be the only ones. And I mean, I think I do it because it helps me feel not so alone, and it helps me feel like I can, I can talk about my problems without making people feel sorry for me. And, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's such a poignant thing to say. Like, and that that must be something that you would like, because for me. Performing has always been like this kind of like it's like a superpower almost. You can probably relate to this. It's like every like you live a normal life and then you go on stage. It's it's a lot like being a superhero. I say like you know you're making people happy. You're out at night. It's like you know you get to be a normal person off stage and then like when I get on stage it's like okay this is what I do. And uh, I saw that you have a lot of like other stuff that you did like you're. A, you're a therapist, right? Uh, yeah, I worked as a therapist for years, and I worked as a social worker for years. I'm a I'm a social worker by trade, so like I I believe in being a social worker, like I because to me they're very different. Social work is about helping people come up and get get better and rise up and being a therapist is more a one-on-one I'm gonna help this person deal with their problems and 
like I, I never wanted to be a therapist because I like helping larger groups of people. I just became very good at counseling. And so it just fit. And I went that way because it helped me to pursue stand up. Right. Because it it makes you more comfortable around people, I would think. Not not only that, but I could create my own hours so I could work. Right. um, Of course. Around stand up. Right. Do you, uh, is there a difference, any differences now that you sort of see in? sort of the comedy world over the like difference between I don't know how to phrase this like what is like now and then between like 2002 comedy to like 2021 comedy oh my god so much like um I I am I am afraid of being canceled like I'm not gonna change my material like, I'm going to be brutally honest, but, like, people are such pussies nowadays. Like, right. come on. We're talking from our experience. Let right. me let me tell you how I feel about something that is, I think, I think people have gone in such an opposite direction that it's, it's hard to... Comics like Lenny Bruce are the are the Lenny Bruce is like the grandfather of stand up, right? Exactly, in a way, and and he was able to talk about the world's problems in a way that highlighted them and made fun of them, and that's what I think we as comics do. I I make a living off of stand up in order to say you know, disability is not, don't feel sorry for me. I'm not someone you should feel sorry for me, which I think is why I get so in people's faces. And right. Because that's one of the things like, it's the it's being in that place of like, yeah, this is it. Like, this is what you have to do. Like, to me, what I just noticed what drives me insane is that comedy is very popular, like stand-up, but a mm-hmm. lot of people, there's a lot of, there's like a, there's like a, there's like a side of it that's popular comedy, and then there's like a side of it that is, that people just don't know. So a lot of people who watch comedy nowadays, I feel like aren't used to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I have a love-hate relationship with what Netflix has done to comedy. Like, I think it's great that they give people a lot of specials, but it's exposed a lot of people to stand up who don't know the genre. Right. So they don't know how to react to it. Mm. Like, you know, if you go to something, you have to expect it to be what it is. And I think a lot of people take stuff too seriously. That That is very insightful. Um, yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, I, the joke I make is like, I'm a wrestling fan. Like, if someone, you know, it's like getting like getting offended at a wrestling show being like, that person hit that person with the chair. That's not what you do in civilized society. It's <laughs> like, like, you have to understand what it is. It's jokes. It's performing. It's, you know, and of course, like you said, it's, you get people their their point of view for what they do. And I think, you know, to tie around to you, I think that's so cool that you have a distinct point of view of what you 
what you do, do you feel like that helps to sort of have that? Or I, I, I don't know if this is something, do you ever wish like that you weren't disabled to do comedy? Or <laughs> do you think like it just helps you like in ways that a lot of people wouldn't think? You know, someone, I had this quote in my press packet. Um, someone years ago said to me, I, I once heard a comic say, Mike is so funny. I wish I was disabled so I could be that funny. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think, bet people have said that. <laughs> I think that's hilarious because um, I'm not funny because of my disability. No. I'm funny in spite of my In spite of it. I, I come from a very funny family. Um, right. Would, would I, you know, when I was younger, I used to ask myself that question a lot because being disabled made me who I am. Um, right. You know, like I, there, someone once said to me, if you, if you weren't disabled, you'd probably be very cocky. I'm like, I could see that. Um, and so, like, I think, I think any type of minority, right? Any right. type of minority knows what it's like to struggle and to feel different and to feel not, um, not accepted. And, right. you know, so I think that's what, I get from being in a minority population. Right. And and that that informs my comedy. Like otherwise I don't know if I'd be a stand up. Right. The one thing that I've I've noticed too, like I wanna ask you about this. Have you uh have when you were trying to did you have any like type of like discrimination do you feel like at all? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, people, um, like, I once interviewed for a job, and the guy said to me, so how do you think you'll be able to help people with it being disabled? I'm like, that has nothing to do with how I perform at work. And so there have been things like that. And I've been, I've been mugged a few times in my life, so I, I, oh I learned how to fight to protect myself right. and like so I know I know how to physically take care of myself if I'm ever in a situation now do I do I broadcast that no but am, no. I, com am I confident in like when there's a uh a argument or a fight going on yeah because I'm not I'm not scared. Like, what's the worst that could happen? They'll punch me in the face and I'll bleed. Right. That's happened before. Right. <laughs> and then my, uh, my boxing trainer used to say, I don't understand it. You get hit in the face and nothing happens. I'm like, you can't fuck with pretty man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, um, there's a comedian that I'm friends with. Uh, way as muscular dystrophy and it's just like it sucks how like not accommodating comedy clubs are like yeah yeah I, I i felt so bad for him like he's getting really successful now which is great he's on a show on hulu and like he gets to perform now but i think like he only gets to 
like do certain things because he's him and it's like you know they should make that for other people more accommodating it's just oh, like, yeah. one of the things that sucks like about it is like you know you think like comedy like you would want more people to come and be able to do it right and you know what i um i'm planning on uh creating a um i think that my timeline's changing but i'm going to um create the first ever disability comedy festival for disabled comedians oh that's great and i was hoping to do it this july right but there's not enough time so i i think i'm gonna move it to 2023 but that's the hope is i get it done and out there and you know good in a way you mentioned your family being funny uh what, what was their like first reaction when you started doing stand up? Were they oh. like, really? Um, <laughs> uh, they were supportive, and um, you know, it, it was also like my mom hated cursing, so right. when I would curse, she'd be like, What do you have to curse for? You don't, you don't need to curse. Um, and so. <laughs> I, I don't know if you if um, I've ever told you this joke, but um, so my my um, my my mom when we were kids and there'd be cursing, she would if if there was cursing on TV, especially if they had the F word, like other curses were fine, but we. Hey, sorry, I walked away from my phone. Oh, okay. Yeah, that can happen. <laughs> yeah, if it goes like dark, it happens. But uh, anyway, you were talking about your mom. I that that's the part that cut off. That yeah. So um, so she was uh, she went to um, she hated cursing. She hated especially the F word. So if we were ever watching TV and they started cursing, she'd go, get this off. This is horrible. And when they'd curse, she'd sometimes tiss. She'd go, tiss, And so when, um, <laughs> when she, uh, one night we were watching Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it was like a sprinkler went off in the oh living my God. room. That's so, funny. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah it's always interesting to hear like what people have with comedy growing up like to me my my fellow is with comedy and like it's very funny to me people are always so surprised at how well my mom like is with like my comedy and like you know being very like good at you know she doesn't care like my parents weren't strict about that they weren't strict about like the stuff that we watched mm-hmm. college wise it was yeah. more like if i was really what it was more like a violence thing or like right uh, with more horror movies but like you know i watched like blazing saddles with my dad when i was like nine <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, my brother loved jim carrey growing up and we all loved that so, like we we loved comedy growing up so it's 
it's always so interesting how people are so surprised. They'd be like, you know, it's like, obviously she doesn't get some stuff, which is always so right. funny. <laughs> it's like, but she's never like offended by it. Mm-hmm. She'll never be like, it's just funny. It's like, it's like, I'm paraphrasing, but sometimes it'll be like a conversation that we have. She'll be like, I didn't really like that. I see you. It's like, who does that? <laughs> it'll be something like that. <laughs> my brother was the one who could always make my mom laugh. Always. Like, I couldn't, but my brother could. Right. Did that, did that ever, did that annoy you? No, no. And we were talking about it recently. He's like, yeah, I went for the goofy humor. You always went for the dirty humor. Right. Yeah. So, so your, uh, your special is, uh, called Crossing the Line, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's a great, that's that's a great name. Yeah. What happened was, um, the guy who's producing it with, I was performing on one of his shows and I was being like my usual playful, funny self, but talking like about really inappropriate things. And someone went, ooh, and I go, oh, did I just cross the line? Am I crossing the line? And so he's like, when he contacted me about the special, he's like, that's what I want the name of it to be. I'm like, okay, cool. Right. So when did he give you like a distinctive like time? Like uh, probably like a time, like about an hour, minutes or an hour. A full hour. That's really cool that you just gave me that to do. Like Mm -hmm. when you're, how long did it take you to at least? Like, did you do it in chunks of, like, how you were performing it? Or did you mostly, like, write it all down before? Um, I put it in chunks. I put it in set lists. And then I um, I also, uh, I have this app that writes out um, audio or video right. into words. So I also wrote it all out. So I could read it and look at it and, you know, the... Like the show I did in Montgomery the other day, like I'm, I, it made me feel prepared. I'm like, I know I'm prepared to do as much time as I need to do. How long did you do then? How long was your set? There it was a half hour and it was supposed to be 45 minutes, but I've been sick for two weeks and the producer of the show wanted to make sure like I I was comfortable and I, I think he was nervous that I wouldn't do right. well because I was sick and but like I'm a I'm a professional at this. Like I've done it right. for so long. Of I know how to like there's this one uh set I put on the internet um where I'm just killing and like before that show, I was backstage falling asleep and the other comedians going, are you all right, man? I'm like, I'm exhausted. Right. Uh, it was the show I did on my anniversary, actually. Right. How was, uh, how was uh, Happy America 
It was awesome. That was the show I'm talking about. Oh, that's what you're talking about. Okay, that's what I thought. I'm going to be on that in March. Uh, I'm so excited for that because I haven't been on a show in forever. But, uh, yeah, it's so funny. My mom, like, you know, it's so funny living with DJ. We're so, like, like nothing happens. Like, we get along so perfectly slowly. Like, Mm -hmm. nothing happens. So, like, she thought I would be, like, offended that he got on that show. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I had no idea about it. I I just saw it on Facebook yesterday, and I was like, "Oh, BJ was that show. That's why he wasn't home." <laughs> <laughs> like, didn't even occur to me that he had a show. I was like, "Oh, he must be at his girlfriend." <laughs> so, um, yeah, this app fucking sucks. <laughs> But uh, I just want to wrap up with you real quick because, uh, you know, we're just we, – thank you for, you know, doing this. This was such a good conversation. You're really funny. I hope none of my questions were offensive in any type of way. Are you still taping or – Yeah, yeah. Just wrapping up. Okay. Yeah. So, no, none of your I, – I don't want this to end because I have so many questions uh, about Dick Dweck. Oh, sure. You can ask. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to end. We can we can talk more. What do you want to ask about? Um, so, like, how long have you been doing comedy? Well, here's the interesting thing is I started with local improv. I always wanted to do stand-up. I started okay. – I got really into stand-up in, I think, 2008-ish. It was like mm-hmm. – because growing up, like, earlier before then, like, 2006 and stuff, the most popular comedians were Jeff Dunham and Gabriel Iglesias. And Gabriel Iglesias is great, and I'm, you know, have mixed views on Jeff Dunham. And then in 2008 was when I started to learn about Bill Burr and Louis C.K. And 2010, I saw Louis C.K.'s special, Hilarious, on TV. And, you know, he's wearing the black shirt and he's a chubby guy and I was a chubby kid. And I was like, oh, a comedian doesn't have to be a person in a suit, you know, just doing, you know, regular stand-up. It would just be a slubby guy like me. So I wanted to do it. But the area that I'm in, in the Jersey Shore, there really was no way for open micers to do comedy at all. There was no local thing. But there was this improv scene teacher that... uh, he was a drama teacher, like he taught improv, like an improv like drama class at my middle school. And uh, he's super nice. He got fired, actually, like he, he got fired actually for, uh, for smoking weed with the kids. Like he was a really cool teacher. Like, so uh, people my sister's generation knew him. Of, so when I was, I took a vocal class in, uh, in high school in my, starting my freshman year. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the year, I saw on, on the wall, like, a poster for the summer improv thing with him. And I knew his name. So I was like, well, I'll just do this, and that'll be my way to parlay into stand-up. Like, I'll do, okay. I'll do it for, like, I thought, I'll do it for, like, a month, and then I'll find some way to do stand-up. And then I ended up doing it for five years. So... Oh, nice. It must have had fun. So it was, what was, what was weird, what was great about it was that I met so many great people, like, uh, I met great people, and then Angelo Gingerelli, uh, 
he started in 2014. Like, that was 2011 when I started doing improv. And then in 2014, Angelo started to come around and really build up the open mic scene. So that was when stand-up was starting to, like, be available. Like, you know, you, you had Vinny's and they didn't let people. And then everything else was too far. And that was all, at the time, just, like, they didn't have, like, a place for, you know... And I was 16, and there was no way I was going to be able to get into any type of yeah. club. So it's like, you know... So, anyway, he knew Mike, my uh, improv uh, troupe uh, leader guy. He uh, he wanted to... Uh, he he started having comedians open for us, for our show. At, uh, you know, uh, on Cookman, they have uh, the... Um, I forgot what it's called. Uh, Where Music Lives. They have that that small like music hall of fame. We started doing our improv shows there, oh, cool. and uh, we were uh, that was like twenty fifteen ish. We started doing it, and uh, we started having comedians, you know, open for us, because there were two types of shows. There was the there was the A team and the B team. I was on the B team, and we we went on before, and we did like a small thing, and we were just like. You know, is this for, I never got onto the A team of improv, and the A team of improv was awesome because those guys would just they would do insane stuff. They would like carry each other on their shoulders. They would do a ton of like really crazy stuff, improv wise. So uh, he knew that I wanted to do stand up, so he asked me to open like the shows to do stand up, like to try it out. I did it twice. I bombed terribly, but I still liked it. But I still liked it. I always say, like, my first time on stage doing stand-up, I could have fallen off the stage. I would have gotten up, like, five seconds later, just full of adrenaline, like, so excited. Because it had been pent up from not doing it. So, yeah. I, 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 uh, I have a... Dylan Manegan was on my team, was on my improv troupe, and he was doing stand-up. So, he, I asked him where to go, and he told me the places to go. So, I ended up just doing it, and I was, uh... I always say, like, I was technically, I was, it was five months or, like, six months until I was 22. So I was, like, 21, and I was very, like, young compared to everyone. So, like, all the people that you sort of, like, see me around now, like, I knew them when I was very, when I was, you know, 21, 22 years old. And it's so weird now, like, to sort of be in that place. So that's one of the cool things is, like, I've, to be a part of this community, and of people and sort of be like like I kind of came in a little bit late but now I'm like but now in in the years like it felt like I was two years late when I came in because I was like you know and it just started and now like when we had the Brighton Bar and everything and like yeah. Nip and Tuck and everything like I've known those people for six years now I've known all those people and you know we've We've sort of gone through our thing of like, you know, Mike starting, Mike's ending, going through different places. And, you know, it's really, really cool. So that's been, that's been it. So it's just been July. I actually, uh, the date that I started doing stand-up is the date that Dave Chappelle and Patton Oswalt started. And they started at the same open mic in, uh, yeah, uh, Patton was like 20... Was like twenty three or whatever, and or like twenty four, and uh, and Dave was fifteen, 
and they went off, and I think, like, Dave went up after him, and uh, that's just the date that, it's the same date, so that's really cool to me. It's uh, July 18th, so it's July 18th, 2015, yeah, so I, uh, yeah. Because I was excited to do this, you know, the podcast, you know why? Because I heard... From, I think it was uh, Steve Schwartz. Yeah. That you guys talked about me on a previous. Podcast. Oh yeah. Like, what? Well, yeah. I was just like, I think I was just praising you because I was like, oh yeah, he's so great and he's, you know, I gotta get the mom. You know, that's what I always say, and I, I mean it. Like, I need to have people on. I have a, I have a list of people that I get on, and it's funny. I was talking to someone. I was talking to uh, this new comedian, Rob. Stan. I was saying to him. You know, you can probably relate to this. It's like you go to do comedy, and you're like, oh, there's too many comedians. Like, you see new comedians, you're like, there's too many comedians. And then I meet someone, and I'll be like, I have to have them on my podcast right now. <laughs> so it's always a thing. So, yeah, that's uh So, yeah, I just, I would need, I like having as many people on that I can get. And I have a full list. And I have people that have dropped out that I need to still get on and, like, and get that. So it's like, you know, I still have people, so it's, you know, and if you ever have any, like, if you ever have anything else coming up that you want to promote, just, you know, just message me, because that's what this sort of is, it's a, it's like a, like a lamp, like, kind of like a, like a time capsule, almost, of what we do, because, of course, I'd love to, you know, interview, you know, bigger comedians, but the really cool thing is interviewing people, who are in the game right now, just really working out stuff. Right. And, um, you know, I, like, my goal for next year is to, uh, like, get on into Montreal. Oh, that would be fucking awesome. I bet you could do that. Yeah, I'm working on, like, before I started doing this, um, I... Right. So I'm still going to be working with them, which is great. So um, people in this business are awesome. They will help you if you stay dedicated and put in the work. And, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky, like, throughout my career, like, I've been able to work with, like, I, I got to play um, in a webcast, Colin Quinn's Stalker who was in a wheelchair. Like, who else does that? It was That's so cool. loads of fun. And working with Colin was great. He's such a cool guy. And, um, you know. So my show is going to be on, we're taping on January 2nd at 7 p.m. Right. And it will air live on DH1 TV Network. And then the following day, it will be streamed on Roku TV and Amazon Fire TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm definitely, I think VJ's going to go, so I'm definitely going to get, you know, my ticket and, you know, make him, <laughs> make him take me. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm going to be like, you know what? Yeah, because I got to come out and support you. I mean, that's the least I can do. You know, you're, you know, it's been so cool to get to know you and see you around and doing stuff. Like, it's just yeah. been so cool. Like, that's one of the cool things about comedy is you get to, like, you get to meet these people and actually form, like, friendships and relationships with them. Right. And exactly. be like, yeah. So it's it's cool to see you around and always see you working on stuff and you and uh, <laughs> your odd couple with yeah. uh, Kyle and everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Do you have any I, other uh, questions for me or anything? Or no, my, my wife calls him my uh, my boyfriend. Right. <laughs> she like it's you know we were talking about something before, and my wife go the other day or last week I can't remember. Um, she 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 was holding a microphone in the kitchen and just talking and doing jokes and stuff. Right. And she. She stops, she puts down the microphone, she goes, it's like when you grab the microphone, you take on a different persona. I'm like, exactly. Right. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. Because you get that that confidence of, like, right. this is what I do. Like, that's the one thing that I love about it, is having that. Because I was, I don't think... I don't think it would surprise people. I think it would surprise people that I. It surprised people that I was performing because I wasn't a shy kid. I wasn't like super quiet. I was just very like, the word people used, which I never understood, was like humble. Like that's the word that my teachers used, and I was like, what does that even mean? But like to me, I was just like, I didn't like attention, like negative attention. I always, right. I always associated attention with negative attention. So I was like, don't want to make any waves. Don't want to do anything. And then when I was a teenager. Uh, I started to get a little bit more of an attitude and be able to stick up for myself. And I would make my teachers laugh because when kids would make fun of me, which happened a lot, I would be able to at least snap back. So I'd be like, oh, Richard's funny and he can stick up for himself. And, you know, it's like, that was always the thing that would annoy, like, that would annoy uh, kids. Like, they'd be, like, picking on me and then I'd make fun of them back and I wouldn't get in trouble because I'd make the teacher laugh. I'd be like, I'd be like, Richard just said this to me. It's like, well, yeah, well, <laughs> and it's cool. And like, I always, it's like a video game kind of. It's like, you know, I just press the comedy button. You know, it's like that's all you do to survive because that's our thing that we have. That's our skill that we have is, you know, exactly. being funny, and exactly. that's the way that you use it to survive. Uh, do uh, do you have a lot of like? friends growing up that still watch your comedy and stuff are they really supportive do you have a lot of people coming do you think to see i mean i i think so like i have i have a few friends from like i i keep in touch with i think one person from high school and one other person i've been friends with since i was seven i see once in a while right um, but yeah i, I do there are people who will always support you if they if they care about you, and that's what I find out. I also think I'm a lot better person than I was when I was a teenager, so... Right. I, I can totally understand that, too. I feel the same way. It's like you just learn how to get... You just get more mature growing up and know how to act. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. 
and that's one of the things too like did uh i didn't talk about this you feel like when you started doing comedy do you feel like and even now how do you feel like it is socially like you feel like you get along with people pretty well and like other comics and everything yeah i um i'm like there's sometimes when i get insecure talking with people and i feel like no one wants to talk to me but then like i i always try to like be friendly um and like i will i will make friends wherever i go i'll like be hey how are you what's going on like right a cruise director almost right yeah it's so cool to have that sort of that thing where you know especially mm -hmm. with everyone it's so cool like have you and steve schwartz and like you just have that community of people like that's one thing that i love it's always it's always so cool in the different areas of when you do comedy of like the people that you hang out with mm -hmm. so like you know i always i always think that's so cool because it just is a great way to spend like that time and be like oh this is the friend group that i'm in now <laughs> you know and it's like i get to see you and see you and uh um yeah so it's so cool uh so besides your uh your special which is awesome crossing the line uh do you have anything else that is uh coming up i'm gonna try and put this out uh like right away like usually I, uh, like right right instantly so uh if you have anything uh, else like this is the biggest thing i've been working on for the past half year like making sure i i have my material down i know what i'm gonna say i like you know part of part of my problem is i go off on tangents so right. easily and then to bring myself back and just to stay focused and i have this i my memory is horrible and i have this great technique i've used for years when headlining is i will i will write out my long set list right and i will bring it up on stage with me and then I'll say my memory's horrible so I will hand my set list to someone in the audience and I'll go if I just forget where I am just yell out a joke right I was writing I was like I was writing that hour that I'm working on and I was like if I ever do this like if I ever do this hour I'm gonna need someone to hold up cue cards that's what I'm gonna have someone do because <laughs> this is I can't bring up a set list on stage with me because it psychs me out. No, I mean, I mean, Dan did that for his special, and I thought, like, he would cut it out of the special, but he didn't. Right. And I was just like, because that was a smart idea to do. Yeah. To, you know, have I that. I thought about that, but it's I like, also have bad eyesight, so. Right. But it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. So, um, that's so cool. So, when, when you have your... So you, when you do 30 minutes of it, did you just, like, was it really tough to, to choose, like, the bits that were, that you wanted to close with and, you know? No, no, because I, uh, I, like, some, something happened earlier this month, and so I, I turned that into a bit that I knew would be a perfect closer. Right. And I'm working out, so. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really, 
That was the. Uh, I don't you, you don't mind me asking. That's that's your mom dying, right? Yeah, I didn't want to mention it. Oh, I'm sorry. I can cut it out if you want. Don't want to talk about it. That'd be awesome. Okay, sorry about that, dude. No, it's a, it's fine. Like I, <laughs> I'm not I'm not upset, but I, I was, yeah, I was gonna ask you were there when I did it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I was there when I saw your your joke on it. So I I know the closer is really really good. I'm so I'm so excited just to to see it and to see how you do because I know you're gonna do great, man. Thank you. I appreciate that, Rich. I really do. I I appreciate your friendship and getting to know you. And thank you for having me on, man. Oh yeah, thank you so much. Uh, are you gonna be at um? What's called the night at uh, Ellen Witch? I think they're having it. Uh, I was banned from it. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Shit. Why did I... I'm such a fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot. He said I said a word that I didn't think was offensive, and it was extremely offensive, and right. the bartender had me banned. Yeah, yeah. We thought that was bullshit, especially given the other stuff that, got, that went on there. We thought that was bullshit. And it just sucks because, like, you know someone. Like, like you understand, but it's like, you also know. It's like, oh, it's Mike. <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking great comic. I forgot about that. So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad I offended her. And, right. Because you know. it's like you never have that intention. Like, that's the thing that sucks. It's like, you know. I never. I, I know some people no, some people do, do but like I years ago I was performing at the Laugh Factory uh, during a main stage show and I said something that offended someone in the audience and I felt so so horrible right because like and that's that must be such a such a hard thing because your stuff can be very biting but it's playful so and sometimes it doesn't feel playful to some people right i can understand that like that happens like you know like but yeah that must be that i've always wanted to ask about that because like i've never whenever i was mean on stage i always felt like it kind of worked in most cases but it can be very tough because you don't want to actually go too hard like, you know, because you want to give off the impression that you're having a good time and that you're, that you're giving up people a good time, because you're performing. You know, you don't want to be like shouting at people. <laughs> right. Right. So, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Um, thank you, buddy. Uh, definitely, you know, I'll edit all this together and it'll be all be you know, up soon. So. Uh, Cool. I will talk to you later, man. Yeah, talk to you later. Have a good, have a good have weekend. A good week. Have a good week, bro.